Welcome to episode 141 of the Fanboy Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brett. And I am joined, as always, by MFR himself, Mario Francisco Robles. He's here. Say hi. You're damn right I'm here. And I'm very excited. We're down. To, we're up to episode 141. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. So I kind of feel like we could just dive right in. But I want to know how you're doing, Brett. How have you been since last week? I'm I'm hanging in there. It was a very yeah. busy uh, busy work week, but hey, hey, yeah. I'm here doing this now, and nothing could be better. You went to Atlantic City. Did you lose your shirt? Did you, you know? The, oh no, we were in. We're, I was in the mortgage. I was in Pennsylvania. Oh, oh. I was in Reading, Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, that's not Atlantic City at all. Not Atlantic City. <laughs> it was a good time though. All right, no all right. You made it back in one piece. I made it back in here. You don't require not any good. lotions or anything. You're good. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, no I'm more... <laughs> excellent. Thank God. Okay, so now <laughs> we're gonna get into our Superman on film update, folks, because these last few weeks I've been remiss of my duties. I haven't offered you an update of the state of set Superman on film. So right now I'm gonna give you the big news. There is none. Here we are once again. We are way past a year since there's been any update whatsoever about a Superman film coming to theaters. So what I was thinking was instead of that, you know, today is March 18th, Brett. And that means that today is the anniversary of the last time Superman appeared on film. This is the one year anniversary of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I figure let's just talk about that for a little bit since uh, there's no Superman news to discuss. And Back at that point, you and I weren't podcasting together, so I don't even know what you thought of the film. Did did, did you see Zack Snyder's Justice League? So I did watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, I forgot like the exact time frame, but it was in the span of like a week or so. I I watched it like three times. Um, what? Mainly <laughs> three. Yeah, yeah. And, and not not uh, someone who is like obsessed with the previous Zack Snyder yeah. films. I like them fine, but I, I'm not like a like a like a diehard with that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. watched it three times. Um, I, I obviously I, I think the if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, a year ago today, the second I got home from work, I just popped it on. I was like, I gotta I gotta watch this. So let me um, get this straight. Let me let me get this straight. Six hours of WrestleMania is too much for you. <laughs> But 12 hours, hours of Zack Snyder's Justice League is just right? Is that what you're telling me? Just, it's just right. It's the spot. So, no. yeah, go ahead. What did you I think? I remember I watched it. I, I watched it when I got, I got home. Mm -hmm. I watched all four hours of it. I mean, immediately I was like, okay, this is 100% better than the theatrical cut. So, I don't know why they scrapped it. It, it, mm -hmm. it definitely is. It definitively is better. Yep. Um, I don't think it's amazing, but it's definitely better than the theatrical cut. So, uh, with that, uh, I then watched it again because when I finished it, I was so absolutely just mystified by what I had watched that I was like, I, it just, it was, it was, it was incredible in this, not necessarily as an incredible film, but there was this something about it, like that it existed. I think I still yeah. couldn't wrap it around it. And yeah. like, it was, listen, that movie is four hours and it's a lot. It is a it's lot to absorb. Yeah. It's a lot. It's very dense. I mean, it's a lot of um, just background and like history and a lot of like monologuing and, you know, something like that at four hours had a lot of slow points. Whereas like, you know, for instance, the Batman was three hours and I didn't feel like that at all throughout the three hours. But mm -hmm. for this four hours, there are definitely points that drag. So that was like my initial reaction. Then I'm like, I have to watch it again. 
So I did. And I largely came out feeling the same way, but I, I, you know, it was, it was starting to click at me now that I knew what to expect, what like some of the changes were from the theatrical cut, I could really focus more on the film. And then what happened was I, it was not too long after releasing it. They released um, a black and chrome oh, version. I think it was called black Justice and white. Gray. Okay. Black and white. And I was like, I got to watch it in black and white. And it was actually a really cool watch. If you haven't done that, I would say check out the black and white version. It's, it's kind of cool. It makes it like, feel like you're watching something like, ancient i don't know i can't explain it it adds more to like the um the gods you know and myths kind of aspect that snyder went for with like yeah i've always film. been intrigued by that because like logan did that too right james mangold released a black and white version of logan and yeah, i, and I, I want to watch that, that. Watch that. Yeah. yeah i hear that that put interesting spin on a movie i, I want to give that a shot but i haven't done it yet so so but ultimately Zack snyder's justice league was a thumbs up for you yeah i was i was up on it but like, like yeah. i said it and you know we know the whole story i'm not going to rehash the yeah, whole thing yeah, yeah. four hours it was very very long and <laughs> it did drag it at parts um you know and i'm sure like had they taken this version and cut it down to like more of a three-hour movie um mm -hmm. it also still would have been superior to what we got in the theatrical cut but yeah hey yeah, they yeah. Didn't do it but now we have it and that's pretty cool you know yeah i mean for me i remember actually like loving it i i remember the sitting there and going, Oh my God, this actually works. This movie's really good. Why didn't they just let the guy do his thing? If this is what he was going to do, you know, listen, it's not necessarily where I would have gone with the characters. It's not necessarily like my ideal justice league type of story, right, but for right. what this is, if we're respecting this storyteller and this particular, you know, Avenue he's going down, I'm like, we may as well have just let him do it from the start. Let him go for Man of Steel through BVS. Like, let him do his story because if that's what he could do with his full powers unleashed, I'm like, wow. We, meanwhile, we gimped BVS. We, we, we chopped off a half hour from that movie and edited it in a sort of incoherent fashion that even Chris Terrio said that that theatrical cut was just a total you know, misfire. So we gimped BVS. We know the whole story of what happened with the theatrical cut of Justice League. And it's like, at the end of the day, for what? You know, you did all this upheaval and all this, you know, it's been this crazy, slow-moving reboot over there at Warner Brothers for the last six years. And it's like, but if that's the movie we could have gotten in 2017, what are we doing here? You know, like... <clears throat> yeah, Go you ahead. articulated it so well because I don't think I, I did when I was talking about like my experience with the film. But yeah, yeah. It, it's necessarily where I wanted to see the characters go, and it's not necessarily yeah. just a sick story that I wanted to see. But for what it was, it was good. And you know, listen, I also like obviously for someone that had issues with some of the story, uh, you know, choices in Batman versus yeah. Superman. I mean, whatever this movie had to, for better or for worse, pick up off of those story points, like. I, I think uh, if you've listened to the Avengers, I'm sure we talked about this. I was like, you know, upset that they rushed the death of Superman and bringing Doomsday in and, and also having Batman and Superman fight. Like, I felt like that would have had way more of an impact down the line. Mm -hmm. But, you know, mm -hmm. now that they did that, we had to basically do the return of Superman. And it stinks. I would have just rather have had them there from the get-go and not spend yep. half the movie without Superman. Like, you know, whatever. I, yeah. This is long. Uh, we, we've tread this road before. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like for me, so, and, and, they want to like just go off on a tangent. <laughs> I trust me, it, it's a movie that demands tangents, and Lord knows I've had many of them over the, the years. Movie right is here. A the movie is well, the movie 
is actually Zack Snyder's opus. I think it is his masterpiece. I think it's oh. the thing he can hang his hat on and go, all right, I may have my, my, you know, my haters. I may have my people who love me. I may have people who think I'm a total hack, but this is the, the quintessential example of what I could do with all my powers unleashed. Yeah. And he made I choices, think, took swings. Yeah. You know? And, and as a Superman fan, I found it so rewarding. I, I, the way he handled Superman in that, because that was always a part of my issues with him. You know, Man of Steel and BVS, there was something about those stories and the way he handled Superman that, to me, it came off like somebody who doesn't like Superman making a Superman movie. And that's always how it felt to me. But in this movie, seeing how he brought him back, that scene where they're standing around the table looking at the Superman hologram and the whole like, you know, and when he yeah. finally does come back, it's so majestic. And you got the crazy score and the first flight thing happening again, more like second flight, I guess, this time. <laughs> Like, just like the reverence for Superman and the way he comes across, aside from the black suit, I wish at some point he would have switched to the red and blue. But listen, aside from the black suit being there the whole time, uh, the way he was portrayed, the way Henry Cavill was directed, the way that whole thing went, I'm like, oh, she does like Superman after all. Absolutely. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah, you know, like if this is what he was building towards and I have to eat a lot of my words about how little this guy understands Superman. Although now I'm going to go on a little tangent though because, you know, I part of that perception came from an interview once back in like in 08 when he was doing press for Watchmen and there was still talk about possibly, uh, actually I don't know if it was an 08, whenever Watchmen came out. Um, there was talk about how like there's going to be a Superman reboot and they're trying to find a director. And they asked him, you know, you've done 300 now and you've done Watchmen. Would you have any interest in Superman? And he had some sort of comment about how just kind of like boring and uninteresting he finds him. So I think I carried that with me forever. So that when when yeah. he got the job for Man of Steel, I was like, uh-uh, do not tell me that they gave my boy to a guy who thinks he's boring. You know, like, oh, but anyway, Zack Snyder's just funny is boring, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, but Zack Snyder's Justice League kind of finally like healed that wound. It finally made me see yeah. like, okay, he does see who Kal-El is and he is treating him with reverence. But then again, where was he going next? See, that's the thing that like, I love Zack Snyder's Justice League. But then that whole place they're going next where he's dark, evil Superman and the nightmare sequence and there's rumor with Ben Affleck, um, Bruce Wayne was going to get with Lois and they were going to have a kid. Like things were going to get real weird yeah. later on. But for what we saw in those four hours, I was very, very happy. So happy first birthday, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Maybe maybe I'll celebrate uh, this weekend by sitting down and watching that four hour epic. Uh, do you think you have another white. viewing in you? I, I I could I could do it again. Yeah, watching a black and white, do it. Well, maybe. And I, I kind of think too. You know, we did a commentary on BVS, right? Although I don't think I ever released it, but maybe I finally will. Part of this, we did a commentary <laughs> on the theatrical cut of Justice League. We did. It's yeah, on the we YouTube. Did. We right. should do a commentary for Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm totally into that. Ooh, that would be fun. But um, 
All right. So I think I think we're about ready to move on. But once again, happy birthday, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes, and, happy birthday. Uh, stay tuned. One day there will be an actual update on Superman on film and what the future holds for our last son of Krypton. But for oh. now... Hope. We move on. Oh, hope indeed. We have our but, hope. Uh, All right. <clears throat> so earlier this week, one of the big stories that came out was that everyone's favorite uh, double-sided lightsaber yielding black and red weird villain, Darth Maul. <laughs> that was <laughs> very elegant. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Listen, I'm, I'm trying here. Uh, Darth Maul was supposed to be in Obi-Wan Kenobi over on the plus with you and McGregor, part of the, uh, you know, uh, dusting off that continuity and making it exciting again. And he got cut. And uh, well, let me just ask you, how you, when you heard that, did it, did you weep a geek tear? No, I was actually, I was kind of happy to hear that they did that because, you know, I don't always agree with this, but it, it does seem like they, Disney's very much been relying on like the pool of like the nostalgia mm -hmm. and like, throwing mm -hmm. these, like a lot of these like characters in. And while I liked like the little winks and nods here and there, like that just seems like they're leaning too much on something. Um, but then again, at the same time, not being super familiar with the animated stuff. I, when I watched that first teaser, like we talked about last week, I had no idea who all these weird bald, uh, you know, Hellraiser <laughs> Jedi people were. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like maybe I would have liked to have seen someone, but you know, with the with the news that we already have, like Vader coming back in some mm -hmm. fashion, whether they're having a fight or just a flashback or whatever they're doing, I mean, that's enough. I don't think we need Maul and him. You know, I at that point it just doesn't seem like is there necessarily a story purpose, you know, for that? And yeah. plus, we we saw him in Solo. You know, there's that teaser. Mm -hmm. uh, was that the end of Solo? The teaser, right? That we saw. Yeah. Or he was it during the actual uh... film? During the actual film, he speaks to a Billy oh, Clark character in the third so act. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, bring him back. I know he's back in the comics and stuff like that. He survived. Like you know, like they've been retconning everything. But you know, put him back in some other series. Like let, let let's let Obi do his thing and and uh, just focus on you, McGregor, and uh, his relationship with with uh, Hayden Christensen, uh, Vader. You know. Yeah, and it's something else that came up about the show too, kind of in terms of other things that got cut or changed is that, I don't know if you remember this, but they had already hired a director and written a whole bunch of scripts and he had even begun like pre-production on a version of this series and then scrapped all those scripts and kind of went back to the drawing board and kind of and, and created a new creative direction no longer with that director. And it's been said this week that one of the reasons that Lucasfilm wanted to change it was that the original vision was very bleak and they really wanted to make something that was a little more hopeful. And, uh, you know, I can't say I, I, I disagree with that. Um, yeah, I guess just by and large, I, I'm in this interesting spot when it comes to all this news. Because when you trust the creatives behind all this stuff, it makes it easy not to micromanage. You know what I mean? Like, I, I trust Filoni. I trust John Favreau. So I'm like, if this is how they want to do it, I'm down. You know, they, 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 they've earned enough of my goodwill and, and enough of my, you know, uh, belief in their abilities that even stuff like cutting Darth Maul, which would have been epic. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they had the reasons and I'm sure what they're going to do is going to be great. You know, I'll say they've earned that. They've earned that for me as well. But as someone who has finished 
Book of Boba Fett, and I know you only mm-hmm. saw like a few episodes. Yeah, I'm like that was that that one was a little weird and sloppy, and I, I'm very yeah. curious if like that was really always what they planned to do, or if like yeah. something happened. But and also like the vibe was, and I guess they probably didn't want to have the basically another show that was just like the Mandalorian. They had to change mm-hmm. it a little bit, but it, the tone got very Saturday morning cartoon. So mm. that's something I really hope doesn't happen with Kenobi. I hope. Yeah. Uh, even though they, they said it was too close to the Mandalorian originally, I hope tonally it can somehow still feel that way with whatever yeah. they decided to come up with, you know, for sure, for sure. Um, but now, Brett, there was uh, some interesting news about the X-Men I know you wanted to talk about. So w- what's that about? Yeah. So listen, I don't read the comics regularly, but I do like to just, you know, I, I read a lot of geek news and stuff like that. So whenever there's an announcement from Marvel or DC about some big crossover or some big event in the comics, I read up on it just to kind of see, hey, what's going on. So mm-hmm. uh, and you'll and uh, we'll take a small little detour with me and we'll come back and sure. I'll explain like, how this relates to what we're probably more into. I'm ready. Um, in the comics, um, the X-Men, you know, some years back, they all died. And there was actually no X-Men comics for a bit. I think Marvel was trying to, like, you know, kick it to Fox a little bit and be like, hey, yeah. we're not going to have any more X-Men content. Uh, they said they weren't, but, you know. Uh, so <laughs> they, uh, they did recently like bring the X-Men back recently, yeah. probably in the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, everyone's resurrected again. So no one's dead. Cyclops is back. Jean Grey's back. Uh Professor X is back, everybody. They all live on their own island called Krakoa, and they just all live there together. And they still have adventures, and there's probably still problems and stuff. But they've also basically discovered, like, immortality. <laughs> so, like, literally, if, like, one of them dies, they can make, like, an exact, like, replica or clone of them. Really? Like, all okay. memories intact. I don't know how it all works. You yeah. know, if you're really interested, just fucking look it up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm yeah. giving you the bare bones things just so I can get to my point. So okay. just fuck it up. So okay. by all means, just fucking look it up. And Brett, get just to your up. point. But the <laughs> X-Men love going cosmic. Okay. Everybody at some point eventually goes cosmic. That's all you can do in life. Eventually you go cosmic. All right. That's going to be another t-shirt. Eventually. Yes, it is. <laughs> so when we have our merch store, uh, when we yeah. have more, you know. Just one shirt. Share the podcast. Share it. So we can yes. make merch. Um, so, uh, the X-Men now, uh, they basically are doing a huge retcon, uh, to get to the point and they are changing kind of the origin of what mutants are hmm. kind of a big deal, kind yeah, of a big huh? deal. Um, this way? is like a really big shift and change in a really long time. So before, like they basically were, you know, the idea was that they are mutated humans. They're humans with like a genetic mutation mm-hmm. or, or evolution, if you will. Um, what they're actually doing now is now reconning it that they are actually an offshoot of the deviants, which if you are into your comic lore, just fucking look it up if you're not, um, they are the sworn enemies of the Eternals. So the Eternals are probably a little better uh, known just because now there's yeah. an MCU movie, which I still have not seen. Um but there's the Eternals, and then there's the Deviants, and the Deviants are like bad. Uh, I, I, at least for the Eternals, they're bad. And now they're saying that excessive deviation from the Deviants resulted in mutants, kind of implying that they kind of are probably Deviants that intermingled with humans and caused like the gene, uh, you know, the gene pool to uh, kind of shift and change. Yeah. But that's kind of what they're going for right now. I don't know. How, I'm not so invested in the comics anymore, so I don't know how I feel about it. I am very curious if you are a big X-Men fan or do stay up with the comics, how you feel about that, because that's a, that's a pretty big change. Um, yeah. You know, 
and, and it had now gives them this cosmic link and this cosmic identity. And when I saw that, I said, hmm, uh, we are uh, about to introduce X-Men. Uh, not about to. We haven't had anything announced yet other than Marvel saying they're doing it. We're going to have X-Men coming into the MCU. We have the multiverse now. Um, we have an Eternals movie from the MCU. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't see the movie, but I think Deviants are involved or they've definitely said that term in the MCU you know, pantheon yeah. at some point. Um, so what I'm thinking is if they're using this as a jumping off point to kind of inform what they're going to do with the X-Men in the MCU. That's how I want to tie together. Um, yeah. So maybe now that they have the Eternals, that they have all that, they can use the multiverse and use some of that, uh, some of that to get them involved in one of these big major, you know, crossover events or, you it's know, interesting. Some- yeah. So it's like a bunch of stuff is going to be, <laughs> for lack of a better term, a lot of stuff is going cosmic, this phase in Marvel, right? Because we got Thor Love and Thunder, which is going to be somewhere out there. Uh, right. We got Guardians 3, which is going to be somewhere out there. We've got, uh, we just did the Eternals, which is, you know, further kind of expanding on, you know, uh, yeah. the cosmic elements of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, and we have, we know Captain Marvel's eventually going to get a sequel yeah. and she's kind of floating around. Loki was, has you know, crazy stuff, you know, yeah. with, with cosmic stuff. Um, yeah. you know, technically, uh, I mean, you can call the multiverse of madness, some kind of weird thing. We also know with Ant, the next Ant-Man, we're going into the quantum realm, which is yeah. some other freakish place that is yeah. that exists in the Marvel universe. So yeah, they're basically like, we don't want to do any more terrestrial stuff. We're doing stuff everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, that it's interesting. Would be... Yeah, I'm curious if know. that is going to inform the entrance of the X-Men into the MCU. And that's why they're making the change because they want to have some kind of consistency. See, I don't like that at all, though. <laughs> that's like it's yeah. interesting. It's novel. It's uh, original. It's a new spin on you know the X-Men mythology. But for me, like what made the X-Men special was that the way it was sort of allegorical to, you know, society and, and how mutant was really like a, a metaphor for just being different, you know, and a lot of the reasons that the X-Men was popular in the 60s was it was kind of a commentary on the civil rights movement at the time. And it was like Malcolm X and Dr. King were Professor X and Magneto and they and their different methodologies for trying to get change you know there's the one who thinks we can get the humans to understand us and work with us and there's the one who says we just have to kill them all and at the end of the day you know it all comes from this thing of like some of us are just born different and we're going to feel like outsiders and people are going to persecute us but there is something special about us you know and i kind of like i like that grounding for the x-men mythology Making it suddenly now like there's this alien cosmic element. If they do it, change it into that, I don't know. That, that to me, that's going to sort of like dirty up the concept a little for me. It muddies the waters a little bit. It's not nearly as uh, intriguing for me. But yeah, I guess you took we'll the words right out of my mouth with that. Honestly, like yeah. I was thinking the exact. I'm like the fact that like I could be a mutant. Like you know, yeah. it, it, was, it was human. It was rooted in like you know a little more grounded, you know, yeah. Yeah, now it's just, you know, I mean, technically I guess it could be the same thing that this is just given the reasoning for the mutations, but for yeah, it's just, it comes for some like weird, like, you know, deus ex machina in space or something. It's just yeah. like weird. 
Yeah. But well, I guess we'll keep an eye on that, you know, in the in the years to come, we're going to find out how they're going to bring these X-Men in. We might even get a clue in Doctor Strange, too, since we know Professor Xavier pops up in some form. So maybe we'll get our first real idea of how they're going to do this. And that's an interesting link you made, though, because you're right. When when the comics got phased out, that was like when the MCU was doing great and Marvel clearly wanted the film rights to the X-Men back. So, yeah. you know, and Fox owned them. So they were like, let's discontinue the comics so that, you know, to try to like bring down. They did it with Fantastic Four too, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. They also dropped that comics. They were, they were like mm -hmm. really like trying to stick it to them to try yeah. to like. So, know, so in other words, yeah, like the, this wouldn't be the first time that there's been some correlation between what's going on in the comics and the the you know whatever philosophies are happening over at Marvel Studios, whatever right. they're sort of thinking about and planning and strategizing for. Sure. So yeah, you know, bringing in this cosmic link for X Men may be you know, that that may be the door they're trying to open to bring in our beloved mutants. I just uh, well, I hope they don't. But okay, so now we're going to move on, and uh, well, James Bond has a new home. James oh, Bond right. has a new home, and why don't you tell us all about it, Brett Miro? All right, guys. So uh, as we uh, – if you pay attention to just any media or entertainment company, <laughs> like uh, especially video games recently, uh, companies are just gobbling each other up and merging and merging and merging, and it's an all-out content war and yada, yada, yada. So the most recent acquisition, Amazon, has now for $8.5 billion purchased MGM. Okay, so MGM, uh, as Mario alluded to, the home of James Bond, um, amongst, um, and I'll, I'll just go through a nice little list here. They, uh, this is actually from, I think, their press release. Uh, MGM has a vast catalog with more than 4,000 films. 12 Angry Men, Basic Instinct, Creed, James Bond, Legally Blonde, <laughs> it rhymes, uh, Moonstruck, <laughs> Poltergeist, Raging Bull, Robocop, Rocky, Silence of the Lambs, Stargate, um, Magnificent Seven, Thomas Crown Affair, Pink Panther, and then 17,000 TV shows, including Fargo, uh, The Handmaiden's Tale, and Vikings. Uh, so, and that's just like a little, a little uh, glimpse into it. So, as you can see, Amazon has now acquired the rights to all of these properties. So, oh, they wow. can their streaming platform. So now they'll be able to develop shows based on all of those franchises and more. Like I said, there's 4,000 films and 17,000 TV shows um, and some really good ones and uh, like that we watch and like, like yeah. Fargo. Um, hmm. So, uh, yeah. Now, hey, uh, do you know if that means they're going to move Fargo off FX and it's going to be an Amazon exclusive now? Have they said anything about that yet? They have not mentioned any of that yet. That's actually really wild, though. But you see, listen, that's a bunch of content they got and a bunch of stuff that they can develop, um, you know, to pull on that nostalgia, um, you know. Uh, yeah. Now, I wonder what they're going to do. Strand sweater. Tongue on that strand. Yeah. That <laughs> they're nostalgia. probably going to do the thing where they release it in the theater for, you know, X amount of days before it comes to Amazon. But it is just crazy to think where we've gotten now, where the you know, these streaming giants now like own everything. You know, that's yeah, that's so. James Bond is now an Amazon character. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Um, did you, by the way, did you get a chance to see the last one? Yeah, of course. I haven't done it. I'm a bad Bond fan. Bond file. Bond fan. <laughs> what did you think? Should I bother to go see it? Was it? Yeah, absolutely. It? It's very good. Yeah, it's very good. 
All right, because I love the director. The other ones, yeah, it, it's it's yeah. it's an actual. It's the first time they actually like capped off like a James Bond series. Like hmm. this, this closes yeah, out. Usually, it just gets the first film. It's yeah. like its own little subset now, and it's the first time they really did that. And it's it's really good. It's a great little, you know, it's a, not a little. It's a five, what a five film arc! It's wild. Yeah, I got to check that out. I got to. It's not the out. best of those five, um, but it's very. It's up there. It's it's okay. one of the better. Okay, my my like favorite. What happened? It's better than Quantum of Solace. Oh well, I mean, a sneeze I had earlier was better than Quantum of Solace. But uh, yeah, my favorite still, like right out of the gate, was the first one, Casino Royale. Which oh, to me still is still, yeah, that's the epitome of the Daniel Craig era. It's probably that and, one, Skyfall. Um, yeah, No Time to Die is probably better than Spectre, then Spectre, then Quantum of Solace. That's probably my my okay. order. That's, let okay. us know what your order is. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's probably going to be Casino Royale. Uh, it's going to be the same one you just said, so just seconded. Um, the right answer. So yeah, okay. it's, it's the right answer. Absolutely. Right answer. Um, but you know who doesn't seem to have the right answer? I'm not convinced Ryan Reynolds knows what he's doing when he hires people for directors <laughs> because he's got Sean Levy now signed on to do Deadpool three. Now I just, I, I want to react to this because you know, the first movie was like this amazing, almost revolutionary, fourth wall breaking comic book film that broke all these records. It took this obscure character and made him a massive, you know, huge yeah. character, household name. And, you know, it was like this genre redefining film that all of a sudden all the movies that came after it were suddenly everyone was trying to ape the Deadpool vibe. You know, that's what happened to poor Suicide Squad later that year. And mm -hmm. then there was like weird creative struggles between him and Tim Miller. So then he moved on to a second director and brought in David Leitch for Deadpool 2, which I yeah. thought was a pretty good sequel. We saw that one together along with Aaron Verola of the Fanboy Garage. We did. And, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty good. It wasn't quite as good as the first in my guesstimation. But yeah. then things have been radio silent for a while, ever since this Fox and Disney merger, purchase, whatever you want to call it. Ever, the big question's been, what's going to happen with Deadpool? Are they going to, you know fold it up are they going to reintroduce him in some pg form into the mcu uh and you know th there's been little clues here and there about what could happen but now we seem to have our first real indication of what will because not only did they say that sean levy is going to be directing it but they also said it's going to be produced under the fox banner so that tells me that maybe they're going to actually keep him somewhat separate of the rest of the mcu you know, because when, when this news came out, I found that interesting. It didn't say like Marvel Studios producing Deadpool 3. It said like it's coming through Fox. So and that said I, it's going to be rated R. If I'm not mistaken, that was said. It's going to be rated that R. That was said? I mean, it's very I possible. I think I read that unless yeah. it was a lie. No, but well, it could have been a lie. But while you research whether or not you just misinformed Fanboy Nation, I just want to talk no a little way. about Sean Levy because... I'm not terribly impressed with this guy. You know, when I think of Deadpool, which is kind of edgy and grown up and kind of just has like a dark, twisted, subversive thing about it. 
Sean Levy, the director of Night at the Museum. Uh, I don't think that that's who I think of. You know, to me, he's a very sort of vanilla director who has a filmography that does not tell me this is a guy who's earned his way to Deadpool. Because yes, okay, recently he's had a interesting little run. Like Ryan Reynolds calls it his his uh, his trilogy with Sean Levy because he did Free Guy. They just did the Adam Project over on Netflix. That's and getting really the, good buzz, uh, which I want to see. And yeah. I'm hearing that the action and stuff in it is very good as well. So hmm. that maybe that's why Ryan yeah, yeah. was sold. I didn't see Free Guy either, but I heard that, that actually most people are kind of positive on it. So yeah, and to get to I those just, soon. When I look at that filmography, I look at Night at the Museum one and two. We got Date Night. We got Cheaper by the Dozen. Real Steel. To me, these are all very like just harmless feckless, simple, safe little studio films, you know? And to me, none of that is what made Deadpool Deadpool. So, I don't know. Did, did you have a particular reaction when you heard this news? Um, I mean, I, I he keeps switching directors every film, so I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, And and, and immediate, immediately when I saw that, I was like, all right, well, he just did Free Guy with him. He just did this. And he likes to work, I think, with like repeat directors and people. But uh, anyway, just to, just to put also something out there, because oh. you look at Sean Levy's, um, you know, his uh, credits, so to speak, yes. are not like crazy. But not, let's not forget, uh, I'm looking at Tim Miller, who directed the first one. He came <laughs> from a studio background doing uh, graphics and effects. He was a rookie he, director, yes. So, I mean, you had him, and he has not many things, and a lot of them, Terminator Dark Fate. Actually, he's, I think he's a producer on that. Where was he directing? No, he, he directed six. Dark Fate and Clash. Yeah, he did. That Cameron was his finger. Yeah. Um, and then he did Deadpool, which was like a hit for him. And then, like, that's it. So, you had him, and then let's just go to uh, David uh, Leitch. Leitch? Yeah. I know but, hey, but, 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 but Miller got him. I swear Miller understood Deadpool and what a Deadpool movie had to be, you know? Sure. Leitch, you know, he was riding a high coming off of the John Wick movies. And he was, you know, he, he was the guy who went from being like a stunt coordinator to now being a director. And then this was his next big, you know, post John Wick project was doing Deadpool 2. And I guess Ryan Reynolds thought so much of him that he didn't bring him back for the third one. Um, yeah, but also as another guy that doesn't have uh, – he did John John Wick and then he did Atomic Blonde, which I don't think did well. He did Deadpool 2, which, you know, was okay. He uh, shot yeah. a Celine Dion music video, he, which I think was actually the one that's in Deadpool, if I'm not mistaken. He oh, did wow. Hobbs and Shaw, which I'm oh, sure yeah. did well, the rocks yeah, in it. Not because he directed it, probably because the rocks in it. Yeah. So when you really look, he likes to pick these guys that are not like that. They, none of these guys have big uh, filmographies. I mean, Sean Levy is arguably going to be the most uh, decorated yeah. director he's had on a Deadpool movie. There's just, to me, there's just something about him that screams safe. And I feel like that's the Disney quotient in this new Deadpool movie. Yes, it's going to be produced under the Fox banner. Yeah. But I swear, Sean Levy was a very easy hire for for you know for Disney to consider there. You know, I have a feeling um, Ryan Reynolds is also like very hands on with these projects, mm -hmm. and he probably wants somebody that's going to work with him because he's probably going to be coming in there. He executive produces, I think, all the films too, so I'm sure he's having a lot of say and stuff, and probably yeah. a lot more control than you think, um, especially yeah. being the star and kind of like. 
he's kind of the reason, uh, you know, none of these, I, you can't give it the credit to these directors. Ryan Reynolds is the reason this character is pop- popular and is getting a third film. Uh, I mean, that like, he was the one pushing, like, the groundswell to even get that first one made. You know, we can even talk about that really quick if you remember, like, the sure. leaked video. Like, he leaked mm-hmm. the video. Like, I no, think it was Tim Miller, I believe. I believe it was the director himself who leaked yeah. it and it created the buzz and fwam. But this is this is Ryan Reynolds' baby. So I also yes. feel like he takes these directors where like he's probably giving them a big break and he's like, but listen, I'm gonna like override most of your decisions and do whatever I want. Yeah. We all like to think of that smiley Ryan Reynolds just with that shit eating grin all the time, but I think he's a real meanie. And by the way, hang on, hang on, hang on. I just got the confirmation. You did not lie to Fanboy Nation. Deadpool 3 will be rated R, according to Kevin Feige. I didn't I see that. Somehow I missed that. Wow. Well, you know what? I, I stand corrected. I, I, I totally thought that you were talking out of your ass with that. But no, I, Disney I, is going to... Yeah. Disney is going to give us a, another rated R Deadpool movie. I still think Sean Levy is a weird choice for it, but I guess, you know, we'll find out more about that project as things come along. But uh, sure. at least we finally have news though, right? Because to me, the Deadpool three question has been lingering for a bit and uh, now we know it's coming, but all right. So now another thing that's coming that I don't think anyone, you know, predicted a few years back is that Star Trek, Four, with the J.J. Abrams cast, is officially moving forward. And this comes after the last film sort of stumbled at the box office. Meanwhile, it was a good one. Did you see Star Trek Beyond? I did, yeah. Yeah, and that wasn't directed by Abrams. That was directed by Justin Lin, who I thought did a great job. And I was kind of hoping they'd bring him back. But, you know, after that movie came out and had, you know, a so-so reaction at the box office... And all the actors sort of, uh, I think all their contracts expired after that. It kind of just looked like that's the end of that continuity. That's the end of that franchise. But a few weeks back, it was announced that Star Trek IV, you know, Paramount is moving forward with Star Trek IV. And uh, let me just ask you, you know, what what did you think of that J.J. Abrams-led reboot? Yeah, so um, I'm not. I was never a huge Trekkie. I was more yeah. of, always more of a Star Wars guy. So I know it's different for people that are diehard Trekkies. I really enjoyed the movies. I I was always like passively interested in Star Trek. I I my Star Trek's more the Next Generation. I liked uh, Jean Luc Picard, and I mm-hmm. watched all the Next Generation movies. And I would sometimes watch the show, but I wasn't like really consistent on it. So when those came out, I was like, I had a familiarity, but I really thought. I, I first of all, I think that first one is tremendous. Um, yes, there's also some really amazing like slapstick comedy in it by uh, Carl Urban and Chris Pine uh, early on in the film. That is just mwah, chef's kiss. I mean, it's like yes. really, really good. Uh, and I, it, people were down on the second one, uh, you know, the, what, what was that called? Beyond uh, in, yeah. into darkness, into darkness. Yeah. Yes. Not beyond darkness. All right. Uh, that one was really good too. I really enjoyed that one. So yeah. I'm a big fan of these films. I love all the cast uh, in it. I think they, they nailed every single, every single character. Um, sadly, mm-hmm. we won't have obviously Anton Yelkin making a return, yeah. which is um, you know a real bummer. That's uh, like a, such a tragedy that happened to him. But yeah, yep. I, love, I love those films, and I know you are too. This is like thing we share a bond over. We really like these. So yeah, and and just like you, like I was never into Star Trek, and 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 less than you. 
I never even saw anything. Like you have some connection to the next generation and some of the next generation movies. I never watched an entire episode of any version of Star Trek. And I think the only movie I have any kind of relation to was Star Trek four. And all I remember is being a little kid and I was very like, I found it very interesting watching Spock swim with whales. But that's like all I remember about anything related to Star Trek. And then that's my favorite Abrams... story ever. <laughs> that's Spock all I know. Spock swimming with whales. That's what I got, folks. But when the reboot came out, I loved it so much that I saw it twice in theaters. You know, I, I don't often repeat movies in theaters. And I thought this was so damn good. I brought my mom to the movies to see it with her because I knew she'd like it too. There's something about it, like the way the energy Abrams brought it. It was like, it was Star Trek by way of a Star Wars fan. You know, so it kind of spoke to yes. me in that way. You know, it was a little less sci-fi nerdy and a little more kind of like a hero's journey sort of Star Wars tale, really kind of putting Chris Pine in like that Luke Skywalker position almost. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Then a few years later, he ended up getting Star Wars. So who knows what he would have done. And, like, if he had already would have made Star Wars, who knows how he would have approached Star yeah. Trek. But you could tell it's Isn't that it wild? Time, he did Star Trek and Star Wars. That is wild. Just like Joss Whedon did Avengers and Justice League. You get these people know, who just crazy. have way too much power. They've, you know, they, they've affected way too many things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... When when this whole series kind of like seem, seemingly disappeared into thin air, I was pretty bummed out. But yeah. hearing that it's coming back, I'm super excited. There's a couple of comments on it I just want to touch on. Sure. Uh, they kind of show that we're very early days, though. Because, yes, it was yeah. announced, and now the, the word is out that they're working on a Star Trek four with those original actors in mind. Um, but for his part, Carl Urban... Doesn't he, he? He doesn't seem to know anything about it just yet. He seems to know as much as we do, because <laughs> while he's out doing press for the boys and other Amazon show, today's episode is brought to you by Amazon. Um, Amazon. While out promoting the boys, uh, he was asked about that uh, about a script, and he said, "I haven't seen a script. I know nothing." But I would love to work with those guys again. So much fun. The best hang. We'll see. So it's interesting the way he puts it. He doesn't sound quite like, like convinced that it's absolutely happening. And I find that interesting. You know, press releases have been fired out. It's like it, 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 it's a it's a known entity now. Star Trek Four is a known entity that's on its way. And Carl Urban's like. We'll see. I, I would love to do it. So it kind of goes to show you. He's like, just playing coy to get a good offer. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's probably just see, acting like, I think, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll do it, I guess. You know, yeah. but then, yeah, yeah, then yeah. when they offer it to him, he's like, you know, you got to give me a couple more millions here. Yeah. Because I like that. that was, he's like, give yeah. me a couple more millions. <laughs> that's my, that's was, my really bad Carl Urban. You that's like a it? terrible Carl Urban. It's so bad. No, you no. know? Do you know I have like a total man crush on him? I love Who me Carl Urban. Who does? I think he's the man. He was my fan cast for the Batman before yes. they announced Ben Affleck. A lot of fan cast. Yeah, I, I, like, really like I just think he's awesome. And then he ended up getting Dread after that, and then he killed it as Dread. But it so, made me go like, see, he would have been a great Batman. He could do great jaw acting. Look at that <laughs> mouth acting on this guy. You know, <laughs> but know, Robert Pattinson's guys. mouth acting was really good. Listen, Pattinson's mouth acting, top of the line. 
but Carl Urban also had the physique. Like I wanted him before Affleck was cast. Like this is before, like during that phase of Batman. I didn't think about him so much in these last few years, but back when there was rumors of a new Batman after Man of Steel, that's when I was like, ooh, Urban, Urban, Urban. Because he's one of these guys too who like, he's built like a leading man or like even like an action star. He's a big, strong, he was in Pathfinder. Like when he, when he first came to notoriety, he would play the, the heavy in the movie. He would play the big, right. you know, badass or the big tough villain that you have to fight. But then, yeah, he's built like that, but he has the talent and the comic timing of like a character actor. You know, if you look at his bones, McCoy in this, he's comedic. He's got like, I don't know, he's like a chameleon where he could be that guy yeah. who's the badass with the gun running into the room, or he could be neurotic bones and you believe it both ways. You know, I yeah. think he's freaking great. But um, but yeah, so as of right now, though, he doesn't seem like a hundred percent all systems go. And I think you're right, because one of the rumors, I think like two, three years ago, the last time this movie came up was that Pine and possibly Urban himself were kind of holding out. They wanted new deals and they wanted bigger paydays. So I wonder yeah. if that's one of the things like, yeah, I'll do it. You got to pay me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and the same thing too with Chris Pine, because he, he was recently asked about it. And uh, he said, I think everybody was like, did you hear about this? We're usually the last people to find out, but I do know we're all excited. Whenever they want to send us a script, we're ready for it. We haven't seen a script. I don't know anything about it. And he also said, I don't trust anybody, but I'm excited. I love the story. I love Star Trek. I love my people. Um, and then I'm going to let you know what, you, what your boy Jaja Abrams said about it Just during Abrams. an investor presentation about this upcoming oh. film. He said, we are thrilled to say that we are hard at work on a new Star Trek film that will be shooting by the end of the year. So look, it's coming up pretty soon. And these guys are saying, we'll see. But anyway, shooting by the end of the year that will be featuring our original cast and some new characters that I think are going to be really fun and exciting and help star trek into areas that you've just never seen before we're thrilled about this film we have a bunch of other stories that we're talking about that we think will be really exciting so can't wait for you to see what we're cooking up but until then live long and prosper so look at that too that, that, that's interesting too i hadn't read that until just now that sounds like he's teasing much more than star trek 4 right he's talking about like there's lots of stories and lots of different areas to explore so that's, I don't know. To me, that sounds like maybe they're going to try to like lock these people down for another three or four movies at this point, which that'd be great. I very much, I very much love these films. Yeah. And speaking of returns that we would be totally down for. So last week we were talking about how daredevil and other defenders characters were about to have their shows migrate over to Disney plus and folks, it has happened. They've arrived. There's some really swanky, beautiful, like banner art for Daredevil and all these characters on Disney Plus makes it look so good. And my, mind you, they're not even censored. These are a lot of people were thinking, are they going to edit them down? Is it going to, you know, have you seen what they did to Daryl Hannah's ass crack and splash on the Disney app? No, no, no dude, you got to look it up. It's amazing. At some point, Dar the mermaid, Daryl Hannah, runs. Have you, you know Splash, right? With Tom Hanks. Yes, yes. At yeah. some point, you see her like run away from Tom Hanks naked 
and to go dive into the into the ocean and her ass is just a fuzzy beige thing like they they got rid of daryl hannah's ass crack so, oh, so they took were... they took henry cavill's digital mustache and just put it yeah. on her ass crack. there you go oh, so i'm glad, I'm glad that they're still getting use out of that <laughs> So people were worried that they were going to Daryl Hannah's ass crack Daredevil and all these other things, and it didn't happen. And not only is Daredevil now on Disney+, Plus, but what is the big sort of hot rumor right now about Daredevil, Brett? They gonna make another one. <sighs> See, that is huge. Okay, that's... <laughs> that Apparently, like, rumor. that's a big production this year, supposedly. And then production weekly, which by the way, that is not, uh, yeah, that's not a tabloid. That's not a a rumor mill type of thing. Production weekly is an industrial, uh, you know, it's a trade. It's an industry trade, mainly meant for people who work in the film industry. It's not even meant to be like peasants like you and I aren't supposed to be reading production weekly. So the fact that that's going around within the industry that is huge. And Charlie Cox was even recently asked about it. And he said something about how this could, you know, if this all pans out, it might take up the next 10 years of my life, he basically said. And to me, that sounds like he's definitely had some conversations. It sounds like the show will, you know, be brought back and maybe his daredevil is going to have a lot more to do. That's why they brought him into Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. And I mean, it's just amazing. This sudden resurgence of Daredevil, Brett, did you ever see this coming? No, man, it's, it's really exciting. Like that was definitely like the, the, the highlight of the Netflix shows for me. Although I, yeah. I really love Jessica Jones too. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, and it is, it does bode well that, like you said, they put the original um, series on with uh, no censors you know, no censorship. So I'm really hoping that they will, when they bring this daredevil back, uh, that we get the same treatment and it's, uh, like a Deadpool situation. We get that rated R, you know, that chore. I mean, I have a feeling that they'll, they'll tone it down just a little bit if it's a Disney plus original, but listen, either way, you know, Charlie Cox doesn't need to drop an F bomb to be an awesome Matt Murdock. You know, it doesn't have to be as bloody to be a total kick-ass daredevil. So I'm, you know, if this all pans out and they actually do get to go into production and we get a fourth season and beyond of Daredevil, I mean, I don't think anyone really saw that coming. And I, for one, could not be more excited for that. Yeah. Um, I'm actually very curious to see Moon Knight when that comes out, which is, mm. I think, in another month or so, because yeah. actually that is, very, you know, they've they've talked a lot about like, yeah, we really push it there. But I think it's going to be like a hard PG-13, kind of like mm-hmm. what the Batman was. So yeah. I could see them going that way with it. But like I said, it's interesting that they put the old ones on, not censored. Um, unless they just really didn't want the backlash for, for censoring yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't know. I hope they keep some stuff. Like diversify a little bit, you know? Like yeah. you get some stuff for the adults, like the hardcore adults and stuff. Well, I mean, you bought five, They, they want to mix right? it into the MCU and yeah. you want everyone to be able to enjoy everything. So yeah. It's, it, you know, I think we should tell people, you know, all the fanboy nation, probably brace yourselves that they're going to probably milk and water some stuff down. They probably get are. to that mindset. I think yeah. that's probably what's going to happen. Yes. But we're getting more daredevil. So don't look a gift horse yeah. in the eye. What? In the mouth? 
Sure. All right. So speaking of Disney Plus Marvel shows, we got our first look at Miss Marvel this week. We did. And, uh, well, th that is going to be this week's edition of Do We Care? So, Miss Marvel, you've seen the teaser. Brett, do you care? You know what? Uh, we were talking about it a bit before the show. This, I don't think that this MCU tie-in show is made for us. I don't think it's mm. made for the thirty-something male. <laughs> I it, and and I don't mean that in like a, in a disparaging way. It's not yeah. like I can't enjoy that. I will probably watch it because I'm going to want to know the connective tissue. But it's definitely got more of a teen vibe. It's definitely it's definitely leaning towards I think like teenage girls. It's definitely got that tone and and, and uh, just the the story that it's telling is focused mm. on that. Um, so, you know, for me, it's not like on the top of my list. I mean, it's probably, I'm probably about as hyped for it as I am with She-Hulk. Um, it's probably yeah. like down, floating around there with like, what the three to four range we said. Um, mm -hmm. but one thing that's interesting, Mario, Ooh, um, what is interesting is, and again, I'm not a purist, but I know this is a beloved Marvel character recently in the comics. So mm -hmm. as far as like, as far as the new age of heroes, they completely changed her powers, like oh. completely. Um, uh, like in the, what in are the they supposed to be? yeah. So her, in the, in the comics, her powers are basically like, she's basically Mr. Fantastic and more on that in a second. Um, she oh. can like stretch and like morph her body and turn big and small and like stretch and do all that, that kind of stretchy stuff. Okay. Um, so, uh, instead what they did was they gave her, she does have a bracelet, I think in, in the actual comics too, but her bracelet is like a little different now. So she has this like family heirloom bracelet and what it does is it creates these like purple, like energy things in one mm -hmm. scene you do see her kind of create like a stretchy purple arm that extends mm -hmm. off her arm and then you see her do stuff like walking on these like platforms that she's creating in the sky so she can i guess like yeah i don't know if you want to go flying or just like move in the air um mm -hmm. so it's it almost seems like a green lantern like mixed I, with you took the word right out of my mouth yeah is kind of the vibe I'm getting. And like I said, for me, I'm not a purist, like cool. Uh, but I think that's gonna, I have a feeling that's gonna aggravate a lot of people, um, yeah. you know, when you're doing such a change like that. But you know, the big thing I'm seeing on the internet is people are saying that Fantastic Four is coming back and they, and we already, and that's actually been announced. We know John Watts is directing, like we, we mm -hmm. even got like a little logo. Um, I don't think they want to confuse the powers because then yeah. they'd have two heroes with the exact same powers, number that one. That is true, yeah. The other thing I've seen floating around is that like the CG I think would be very very expensive to have to like do all this like body dysmorphia yeah, to like render and, yeah, yeah I got you render that and to make it look good and yeah. it would just be I think like too much especially they're probably doing a smaller budget because it's a show and not a film even mm -hmm. though she will be I believe in in the Marvels uh, when we get that film that's yeah. supposed to be uh, her with uh, Brie Brie Larson and. Uh, mm -hmm. The girl who played Photon. What was her name Photon? She was in WandaVision. Um, yeah, that one. That one. That 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 Marvel. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So like it, it's it's interesting. So they, I think that's probably why it, it, maybe to make it more visually interesting and to save some money on the budget and stuff. So, but again, that's a really big change. So I I, ho I hope it's not upsetting too many people. But for the most part, it seems to be in line with what I've seen of the comics and what people seem to like about that character and it's great yeah. representation. And uh, she is actually a really, really cool character, especially if, if you've even played the, um, the recent Avengers video game while I'm not wild about that game and I fell off it real quick, the single player campaign is really good. And um, actually the main character is Kamala Khan um, and she's yeah. awesome. She's really cool. And by the end of the game, she does some like just 
she has like a really cool story arc and her powers are actually pretty dope. So hmm. that's like my, mo- most of my experience with, with Miss, yeah. uh, Miss So that's my, All that's right. my take sticking to it. You know what? And guess what? If you want to know more, just fucking look it up. All right. <laughs> I'm like sure that. Wikipedia and Google can, can do it for you a little better than me. I'm yeah. moving a mile a minute, you know, and I, and yeah, I just have a yeah. knowledge. Well, anyway, for me, uh, do you care? I don't care. I'm having such a hard time caring about anything Marvel post Endgame, really. But like anything that's not Spider-Man after Endgame, I've had a real hard time getting into. Like I still haven't seen Eternals. I still haven't seen Shang-Chi. The only Marvel show on Disney Plus that I bothered with was WandaVision. And I'm not re- and, and I know that there's good stuff in Loki. I know that there's good stuff in Captain America and Winter Soldier, whatever, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But for some reason, I'm just having a hard time. And maybe it's not that maybe it's not that strange because I almost sort of predicted this because in, in the initial phases of the MCU were all based around fairly household names, you know, heroes that I may not have known inside and out the way I know the members of like the justice league and stuff. Cause I was always more of a DC guy, but it was people right. I had, you know, a very, at least pretty good, uh, you know, awareness of, I knew that after Endgame, a lot of the talk was about how this is going to wrap up this arc and a lot of you, we're not going to see this Avengers team anymore. And after here, we're going to go off in new directions. And I always kind of had a feeling like it's going to be hard for them to get me to care. <laughs> After they, right. you know, they get rid of Captain America and Iron Man, and they're not ever going to give me a Hulk too, and you know, it just seems like we're moving in this direction where it's all these characters that I have no real connection to, and I, you know, I kind of had a feeling I was going to tune out, and I pretty much have. So, Miss Marvel, unfortunately, is kind of no different. I saw the teaser; it looks cool. It looks like something that I may suggest to my daughter. Uh, you know, she's about to turn 11 and I have a feeling that Talia is just going to, it looks right up her alley. I think yeah. the visual style looks really interesting. I don't, I, this is going to be the most visually unique Marvel series yet because there's a lot of stuff where like, it looks almost like hand drawn, almost like neon emojis and stuff happening over people's heads and dialogue boxes. It looks like it should be very visually stimulating and and it's probably going to be you know i don't know they're using some ingenuity here to tell this story visually it looks like the credits for all the spider-man movies it does you know, when they do all the weird drawing yes. stuff thing like yes. that's why I, I totally got yeah um, so I, I appreciate that but also like not only did i get a green lantern vibe but my mind went to another dc connection because you know captain marvel both both DC and Marvel have a Captain Marvel, right? DC's right. Captain Marvel is Shazam, right? Right. What is the, the main sort of premise for Shazam is a kid who can just become a superhero after idolizing superheroes. And that's what makes Shazam interesting, right? It's, it's yeah. you know, it's like big, but with superpowers. And to me, this Miss Marvel show looks almost like 
a Shazam sort of, it's the same conceit of a, yeah. a, a young girl. You, know, you have a young kid who's basically a, a fanboy, or in her case, a fangirl for superheroes. Yeah. And in her case, it's Captain Marvel, who she idolizes, and all the Avengers. So you have a you have a young girl who idolizes superheroes and then somehow gets the ability now to be one of them. Yeah. So um, I, I just found that sort of like good catch, yeah. Yeah, so it's like they turned I don't know if this is what she's like in the comics, but it's like Miss Marvel sounds like if you mashed up Green Lantern and Shazam in a way, you know? And I'm like, eh, yeah. I've been there, you know, I'll just wait till Shazam Fury of the Gods for the next time I want to see something like that, but I'll mention this to my daughter and she'll probably like Miss Marvel. Yeah. But on a scale from 1 to 10, Miss Marvel, I'm at like a 2. All right. Um, you know, when it comes out, you're going to find out that like episode six, there's some <laughs> bombshell reveal. And then I'm gonna be like, fuck, I got to watch it. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch it. I mean, the thing that the, the thing that like I'm suspecting, though, since she's such a Captain Marvel fan girl, I'm wondering if they're going to get Brie Larson to be like the surprise at the end of the season or something like that. Yeah, it's like, a, and like a setup. Yeah. You know? And uh, the problem with that is I hate Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. So, so if that ends up being the big thing, I'll read all about it on Twitter and go like, all right, good. I'm still not going to watch it. So yeah. uh, there you go. So, you know, I think, I think we're done, Brett. I think we've just, I think it's time to bring episode 141 home. I think we've talked for an hour about everything, everything. and anything that we could give a crap about this week. And uh, I think it's time to send the people home happy. So we Brett, how can people find you over on the Twitter? I haven't asked you about that in a while. Well, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm trying to be more active. I'm not doing great at it, but I'm trying. <laughs> at Super Brett Con, it's right, it's right there on the screen. At Super Brett Con on Twitter. Uh, and get at get at him. And remember, folks, you can find me over on the Twitter at Superman on Film. And uh, I've been talking a lot of smack over there lately. There's been a lot to talk about because I'm really salty at these people who are, are, are trying to clown on the Batman, who are rooting against the Batman, but claim to be DC fans. But really, they're just fans of one particular guy's vision of DC characters. So I've been kind of putting some people to task and, and kind of just calling out how people just got to get a life. So yeah, find, follow it. me. Love to see it. <laughs> so find me over on the Twitter at uh, Superman on Film, and we will be back next week with episode 142 of the fanboy podcast so until then life is chaos be kind Adios. just fucking look it up just, <laughs> just, just fucking look it up it's just really easy fucking look it up bye everyone bye